Welcome back to In The Loop, a WordPress agency podcast by Blackbird Digital. Last time, we spoke with Allie Nimmons about her path through WordPress, so give that a listen if you missed it. I hope you'll excuse my stuttering in the last episode. I couldn't help but be a little starstruck, but hopefully it wasn't much worse than usual. I'm Corey Hugert, and in this episode, Phil Hoyt and I talk about the upcoming release of WordPress 6.0, how WordPress does version numbers, the report about a shrinking market share, and the realities of full-site editing without an agency partner. As always, if you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as inloop underscore WP. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. Welcome back, uh, Phil, to hey. uh, to uh, a dev chat. An- another another just a just a chat among devs. That's all it is. Yep. <laughs> WordPress developers sitting down and talking shop. Yeah, that's uh, we have to look forward to today. So we should probably get right into the the biggest, uh, I guess, news update, which is uh, the imminent. WordPress 6.0 release scheduled for May 24th, 2022. Yeah. Um, but before we do, uh, that whole, you know, that six, that big, that big 6.0, it feels really important. You're right. 6.0. Like, uh, yeah. Do you remember what came out in 5.0? No, not, <laughs> not Gutenberg was, oh. Gutenberg was introduced in right, 5.0. So, you know, five kind of felt like a big number back then. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were, we were talking about this a little bit in preparing for this episode. And of course I had to go, uh, I had to go looking like what, what is up with WordPress version numbers? Because I hadn't really paid much attention before. Um, and like you said, yeah. Okay. Now that I recall that Gutenberg 5.0 felt big, it felt like proper, like something 0.0 release. Right. Yeah. And then as we were, uh, as we were trying to round up, you know, um, what, you know, what updates are in 6.0 felt a little less exciting, a little less big. I don't know. We'll talk about, we'll talk about this, this stuff, but, um, so I had to go find, there's actually a, there's actually a, what do you call it? A little a documentation in the handbook about release cycle uh, version numbering. Yeah, I'll be curious what you found. <laughs> I did I not never, look into this at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never really, I'd never really taken a look at this before, but of course now I got curious. So, so yeah, so, so major releases for WordPress are always like, uh, a, you know, a two numbers with the decimal point, right? So like 3.5. 4.0 etc etc um that's what they consider the major version so instead of so so wordpress does not follow semantic versioning which is uh three numbers you know, with you know periods in between them it looks like semantic versioning because it's three numbers in between them but uh but the first two numbers wordpress considers the major version and then the last number they consider the minor version and they don't have like a patch version because that's kind of the same as the minor I guess, um, for WordPress. So as soon as you get to a, you know, something 0.9 release, the next release becomes a something 0.0. That's, that's just how it works in WordPress world. And, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't mind it. Um, although, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of semantic versioning in everything else I'm doing. It seems so like, you know, we've got a couple of little, scrappy open source projects right we've got our, our sure. scaffolding that we use for wordpress themes and um you know a little workflow thing called gulp wp and those are following semantic version numbers and since they i still consider both of them pre-release yeah they 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 both so far start with zero right zero, zero. point yeah. zero yeah. point uh gulp is 0.6 gulp wp is 0.6 three right now i think and i just updated our scaffolding to 0.4.0 today (laughs) (laughs) um so they've got you know additional features or whatever that you know in that minor that that middle 
number, but the you know zero. It's always starting yeah. with zero, and maybe as soon as anybody's feel feeling confident enough version complete yeah <laughs> then we move it to the one but then after sure. that like what happens right you just like yeah it's like version one point something forever <laughs> yeah until That's like there's something hugely different which it's kind of the you know i i have one theme in the repository right now and i don't have a lot of other projects going on um that need versioning but it was um interesting for me to like think about how i was going to version it because you need a version number to be on the repository mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. of course um and yeah, the way I thought about it very much the same way, it was 0, 0.0 until I was ready to release. I was then ready to release. And then I found out I wasn't so ready to release. So <laughs> then I had to um, kind of just like hack some numbers on the end there to make it work out. Um, and my whole idea was like when, yeah, a new large amount of feature sets did come out, uh, i.e. in this uh, example, um, WooCommerce uh, type mm -hmm. templates, I would up it to two or something oh, possibly. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like it, it. It does feel like you're ever edging towards that one release for so long because the confidence level really needs to feel set in before you um, make a decision, which is feels so awkward because it is just a number at the end of the day. But uh, I guess once you call it one, people have a lot of expectations of it yeah, being right. some version of complete. So. Yeah, and production ready and all this. I mean, we've been using our stuff in production. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely in use. Um, which maybe we'll talk about maybe what we use in production here in a moment when we get a little bit more into Gutenberg stuff. But, right, um, right. But yeah, no, I appreciate you giving me that a little bit of lesson <laughs> in uh, how versioning where I did not, I, you know, maybe mentally kind of understood it. Um, I actually mm -hmm. remember long time ago, probably at a state of the word. Um, where uh you know Mullenweg was talking about like wanting to get away from the version numbers and being more like chrome where it's just kind of a number that just kind of keeps going up and at no moment does any one person know what version of chrome they're on it just kind sure. of keeps going and going and going and um you know in the background and it's just auto updating and um hopefully everything just continues working so um which yeah would be a great place to be one day but um it kind of does put a large pressure on these big numbers when you do have these big numbers so i don't know maybe we talk a little bit what about what coming what is coming to yeah. version six and does it hold up to the hype? I'm just going to say it out loud. It doesn't, but that's okay. It doesn't need to. <laughs> right. um, there are great things coming. It's just, I think we do need to think about the number as just a number here. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. So it's just another, yeah, it's just another major release. Um, it's another but it's release. not, it's not special because it's a 6.0 and no, that's, what, yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah. We're, you're not getting, you know, FSE, you know, the beta at least came out in a, you know, a previous version. Like I think just 5. the last version. Eight maybe i don't my brain isn't i don't have it up on right now but um <laughs> they all yeah. meld together at a certain so point. i mean i'm glad they didn't wait i know it's still just in beta but um sure you know it, it, I, they didn't wait for a full release for such a large feature so um yeah let's talk about what is coming in yeah so like you said i think right full site the the site editor sorry yeah yeah, yeah. still has the beta tag on it sure right? um to my knowledge i think so yeah We'll be proven wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let, let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, so I, I tried to go. So um, once again, checking out the field guide, um, which, by the way, these field guides feel like a little hard to find every time I'm, I'm looking for the next release and like a summary of all the stuff in it. I go looking for field guide. I usually got a Google search field guide or something that I'm sure there's an easy way to navigate to it on the main site, but whatever. I we will we will have a link to it so you can get it we will get directly It'll be in the show notes um so yeah it kind of it kind of starts with um you know some accessibility updates uh, which are great so a lot of accessibility improvements to the editor itself um but also uh the navigation block and i think there's gosh i want to say that the navigation block had updates in 5.9 I don't think that navigation block is changing much in terms of functionality since then, but accessibility for front end navigating the navigation block and potentially back end. I, I might have those mixed up, but um, I know that was a, uh, a focus uh, of this release. Um, but yeah, some, some, I want to get into more of like developer uh, focused, you yeah. know, updates, right? So, page content block patterns uh so 
you know, for for quite a while now, if you add a columns block, say, you'll get, uh, you'll get, uh, you'll you get a little pop up, a little modal with uh, a bunch of different icons where you can choose variations of that block, right? Yeah, whether you want two or three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So now there is a page content block patterns uh that will kind of work in a similar way right where if you go to create a new page or potentially custom post type and you've got certain block patterns set up for that users can choose from block patterns to start their page content right so previously we've been able to set the template for a, a post type um you know block block template for post type but but now we'll be able to have multiple patterns to choose from yeah yeah i look at this a lot like how the query block works and you drag and drop in that uh post template block mm -hmm. and it automatically gives you hey do you want featured image title whatever and yeah it's kind of that but for the page view correct right i um i have to admit i haven't i haven't used even you know, post type block templates yet, even though it's been on my mind a lot um, for a lot of the things we're doing um, with, you know, custom theme development and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's sort of it, it, it always feels like it's not quite ready yeah, to like set in stone, right? Because sure. we're kind of yeah. developing sort of custom things and blocks and styles and stuff like that up until you know, some certain point where we need to do some QA or whatever. And then at that point, uh, we either add some block patterns or we don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I actually find this, uh, interesting and I'll see, I'm curious about it from a plugin standpoint also, uh, mainly because I think a lot of plugins are going through this growing pain of needing, having older school data entry, type post types think woocommerce um, mm -hmm, or yeah. lots of events blocks that need um, a field for you know um, the price or the date or and stuff like that and then it needs to kind of output on the page nicely right. um, I'm, I'm maybe hoping that this can be a nice uh, stepping stone to still being allowed to manually data entry that type of information into the um the post and the page handling um, what it looks like by default. So uh, you don't need to add the blocks yourself as a user. So if you're a new user using an events plugin or something like that, it's suggesting to you what maybe the single looks like by mm -hmm. default. Um, and maybe you have a couple options, which is even, you know, a nicer, um, you know, way of handling that versus it being PHP templated in the past. And you're maybe a little more hard coded into the display of what your post would look like right i i kind of i kind of ran into this recently um where i could have chosen and i was i was about to go down this path right so i i you know wanted to do the classic um you know team team page grid you know our sure. our um our team and then you know some some images and then uh, you know, click on click on one of them to get a little modal with a bio, right? So that's the context here. Um, and I almost so I have I have a custom post type for for team, and I was ready to create uh, a custom block just for like job title, right? Um, and then have that in the editor. Uh, as as the the post types block template. So as soon as you create a new team member, you would be presented with a, a field in the block editor itself that says, you know, put in the job title here or whatever, and then everything else would go into the bio. Um, and I actually decided against it uh, at the last minute. Um, so I what I could have done perhaps is had a locked block template that had like the uh you know the the photo right uh and like the job title and the bio and stuff like laid out the way that the modal displays it um i could have done that that might have made sense for a for a you know block template for the the post type um but but what i ended up doing is just say, okay here, the, this um content area is just for the bio 
Yeah. Set your featured image where you always set it. Sure. I and I added a, a quote unquote block plugin, which is just a fancy way of saying a, a new meta box essentially. Yeah. Um, for the for the job title, and I left it at that. Um, yeah. So two different ways of doing it. Uh, I I I guess I went with a kind of more old school approach there with data entry sure. stuff goes in the sidebar and then like your content goes yeah. in the main editor area but i can see how i could have done it and i almost did it differently yeah yeah i think i'm actually experiencing a very similar issue right now with one of the events plugins that i'm using right now where they are putting the fields inside the block editor and i'm running into issues mm -hmm. um but i do kind of like the idea of the data entry still being outside of the block editor sometimes so like for certain types of content because it just makes more sense and i also i but then i still do like the idea of it being gutenberg so let's say you have a product that would really benefit from let's say this is a product page and it would benefit from having a unique template but still pulling that information from you know maybe the featured image the uh price and all that stuff and then you can kind of style that up top but it's not you know you're not putting your data entry up there we're i'm getting pretty off topic and like maybe no, dreaming no, no. of how i yeah. think wordpress should work one day but um it, this is at least like a, i'm looking forward to experimenting with this in the very near future um, right. and seeing if any of this is even possible um not that you can't because not that you can't add fields to a Gutenberg block that uh, that gets stored into the database mm -hmm. uh, in a way that is then queryable. Right. Um, it's just by default that isn't how it works. You know, right. it wants to store it kind of in um you know inside of the content. But right. when you're making like a product page or a person a people page, you sometimes need to search on their last name, their job title, all these things. And um, we already have this older school way of with meta boxes handling mm -hmm. that type of. Um, information so it almost feels um wrong not to continue to use it it's not like it went away per se so right well on the yeah on the topic of templates and and yeah and locking um the uh, one of the newer features is uh block level locking um it feels it it feels pretty new still um but there is like i haven't a, used it at all like not even a little bit i just just tested it out a little bit just to see what it looks like um it uh it lets the block itself be locked in a certain way it, it looks it looks like kind of an mvp of a, a larger feature that will continue to evolve but um it it shows it so it has a ui component to it right where the block itself like in the sidebar say and also in the um block um toolbar sorry um there's a little lock icon if the block is locked and if you click on that it'll give you a little pop-up that says you know these things these things about the block are locked and it says something about uh attributes being locked there but you can't actually lock any attributes yet as far as i know um but uh the block itself can be locked so you can't you know you can't move it you can't delete it right the the weird thing about this is that in context of other blocks and if it's not within a block template that's already like the template itself is locked you can go to a you know adjacent block and and move that adjacent block up or down and it'll you know it'll move past the locked block sure. so it's kind of limited to that sense when i was kind of messing around with it thinking um you know trying to try to figure out how I, I would use it but you know at this point i'm still using template lock yeah um stuff so we'll yeah, see I we'll that see was interesting i i had seen a tweet and i think they had like an attached gif or something and showing how it was used and like look how cool this is and it was like a paragraph and a lock to like group that had mm -hmm. a background color and a paragraph inside of it and then some paragraphs underneath it like you can't move it look it's so cool but then i'm like well what if you just delete the block above it or move the right. block above it and like yeah and immediately kind of like breaks that canon so in that case it's not particularly useful but if you know if it if it does what it says on the tin which it doesn't yet sure. but if when it does when it when you're able to lock actual attributes of the block and maybe specific yeah. attributes that that will probably end up being particularly useful for the work that we do where we're yes. creating very custom you know groupings of blocks and stuff like that that you know might need a custom class added to it with special styles and whatnot and we yeah. just want to keep things as is I think it also just adds a little peace of mind. Uh, I know in our clients, they often 
I don't want to screw something uh-huh. up when I'm editing my page. But if we lock down certain aspects of that page and then they're just editing content that is a little more, you know, just paragraph content, they might feel a little more um, at ease, comfortable yeah. being inside of these pages and knowing that they have to have a step between them editing it and not editing it. it um might uh ease that burden on them because some of these pages do get quite complicated especially when you start introducing grouping and grouping groups of groups to get the layout that you need so right um something that i think you might uh be excited for i think (laughs) i am is uh the no results block sure yeah I, i i don't know much about the specific um here, but I actually remember when I was building Tendo, my uh, full site editing theme, um, I went to make the search results page and I immediately abandoned it because mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of features that I would have expected core WordPress to have for search. Um, namely that if you use the search, there are, there is a search bar um, block currently, but when you use it, you go to, a, to the, you know, an archive template or a search template, which you can create. Um, but if you have no results, it kind of didn't look correct. It looked right. pretty fair um i would say this is i think one step to solving that problem because the other problem is that they don't have a search term block currently Mm -hmm. so uh, i had no way of displaying the search term on the page either which kind of made it look um not great but i've also just even in recent history needed to use the query block um in some regards and was requested that it showed something when nothing was there Mm because um maybe they were pulling a post type for um a related um taxonomy but sometimes those uh, posts would expire per se or get deleted on purpose like mm-hmm. um it was like a real real estate type of situation uh and that particular property no longer existed so they sure. deleted the post um but now it disappeared and it kind of just made that box that that uh, area just look very awkward right. pretty quickly so um yeah it would be will be nice to at least be able to change that result. I'll be very curious. I've not touched it yet. Uh, if that is something we can edit what it says on the back end, because that is often a request of mine also <laughs> is when something by default says something some way, you know, in the past we'd use like a filter or something to kind of change that or overwrite the template. Um, so I'll be curious if that is the case. Um, Actually, while we're on the no results block, um, I was just watching, maybe we'll put this in the show notes. I know it's not in our notes for the episode right now. I was watching a video about like, um, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, he's on Twitter and he mentioned his YouTube channel who went over some of the 6.0 releases and mm-hmm. had a nice little chat, but the query block could use a little loop uh, work, everybody. Like, I yeah. It's great, but like, I just think we're missing a lot of features. Uh, I know lots of that is API dependent, but even just certain things like being able to select multiple post types and right. um, more complicated uh, tax queries and medical well, selecting meta-keys. selecting uh, custom post types at all is apparently new and I didn't even kind of I didn't yeah. even realize that uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yep it's kind of new um, and I don't know the the query loop feels like it has a long way to go and a lot of philosophical questions it needs to start asking itself uh, to get to a new place um, because right now it feels very um, <laughs> below 1.0, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I, uh, even just the way you have to set up uh, the post template feels clunky at times. Plus not being able to have like, uh, you know, variations. And so something yep. we run into a lot is we want to have a query loop output posts and we want to alternate the you know the post featured image left and right um can't do can't do that with the query loop block at least currently you got to do some fun you know overrides with uh, css in order to make that sort of thing happen currently well let's maybe move on before i keep (laughs) talking about my woes with the the query loop because i feel like i could talk about it all day yeah yeah, every time i go to use it i feel like i end up ripping it out and just coding something uh custom still so, right right yeah which is yeah yeah not ideal absolutely like uh the, back to the, t- the team uh team member grid block like I, I needed a grid of images that the query loop can do and i could have done the sure. image and the and the title um can you is there a post meta block i'm uh, I'm, i don't i, I, don't, I don't remember know. i don't recall but if there is i could have pulled in the job title but then you know um i you know i needed a, a modal to pull up their 
full bio and all that sort of stuff. And while I might have been able to accomplish all of that with some CSS trickery, um, it was a lot easier to accomplish with a custom a custom block that just yep. outputs it in the format that I need. Um, so yeah, uh, a couple other things here, some conveniences in the outline view, which will be uh, nice, like being able to select multiple blocks in the outline view itself. Yep. Probably handy, but also um, collapsed by default. Yep. Um, I don't know how I feel about uh, the blocks being collapsed by default, considering oftentimes we're, we have a lot of nested blocks in our, uh, <laughs> yeah. In our editors. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. About I'll be curious how this plays out. I know they've added a lot of features, especially to group blocks, um, where maybe the ID of it is kind of outputted mm -hmm. in the on the side. Uh, that was like a request I had years ago when I first like made one of my first Gutenberg block editor uh, enhanced themes. It wasn't mm -hmm. like a full site editor theme or anything like that. Um, the client asked, like, "Hey, can we make these big sections, these groups, have uh, names so we can find them easier in the outline?" Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of scratch my head for a second, like, "That is a great idea, <laughs> and that isn't a thing." Yeah. Um, but I know they've added aspects of that. So, but yeah, um, you know, to start making your layouts, you really do start having lots of nested, you know, groups inside of groups inside of groups inside of groups. Um, right, right. You know, with different variations, especially now that we have stack and um row and all these things we're yeah. using them a lot more often than we ever were before the other thing that worries me is is when clients who aren't as familiar with gutenberg get a hold of gutenberg um i i see accidental grouping happen a lot yeah um or at least i, I, I did up. yeah I, I think it might still happen we'll, we'll see but i i kept seeing instances where the kind of structure of blocks being grouped together and grouped again and grouped again not for a particular reason but just because i don't know it just ended up that way copy pasting who knows right um i think overall the editor has improved in in terms of kind of giving an idea of where you're editing stuff in, but i'm hoping that things being collapsed by and and the fact that the the outline view is collapsed by default too doesn't really help but i always i always point it out to the clients if i get a chance like you should probably check out this outline view it really helps you to understand the structure of the yeah of the box and i, I feel like something that is coming with this release and maybe or maybe it's just in one of the later versions of gutenberg that i'm using lately is that when you do click into a block it, the outline goes to it a lot more consistently mm -hmm. than it yeah. was previously right. um before you could click on something and then you'd go over to the outline and start scrolling to figure out where it was and um it feels like it scrolls to it now um if i remember correctly i don't have it, it at least from. highlights it I think at least highlights it um but i feel like now it even like yeah it's getting it's definitely gotten better in recent months than it was um previously yeah um yeah okay and just a couple I, oh, oh sorry go ahead, sorry <laughs> I, I was gonna move on but if you had something else <laughs> yeah no i i mean we just have the multi-block select also highlighted mm -hmm. here which is something i'm very much interested in uh in my personal life, I use Notion, and they added this recently in the last couple mm. months too. And I didn't realize how much I was missing this until it got added. And you know, you have like, um, you know, just multiple. You know, they very, have a very similar structure to Gutenberg with you know essentially blocks in Notion. Um, when you're selecting two different blocks, uh, text between two different blocks or something like that, it, it, you know, it would often select the entire block. And oh, right, yes, yeah. So this is actually very much a quality of life type thing but i don't think you understand how frustrating it is for you until it actually works the way you right. think it would work uh right. and then all of a sudden your brain just kind of melds it's like oh my god it, there was a better way the whole time like this is amazing thank you yeah. like and to so, clarify we're not talking about the outline view here we're talking like in the editor itself no, if you've got yeah. like multiple paragraphs you can like start selecting in the middle of one paragraph and then go through to the next paragraph and stop selecting in the middle of that and you can like yeah. hit delete and it'll only delete that part and not like both blocks you know not both so. blocks or start or highlight both blocks which i think right, we do right. sometimes also which is just i don't i didn't realize how much that was a pain mm -hmm. until it started working the way you kind of imagined work so right right um, right yeah huge improvement um okay. yeah actually and the next thing on our uh list here actually is probably the my most exciting thing from a theme developer uh uh aspect is the global style variations. Mm -hmm. so um this is a new way for you to install to you have a theme installed that's a full site editing theme and you can have variations on it and it's kind of just swapping out your theme json variables um 
so and what that means is essentially you get a kind of a fresh look to your theme without changing themes and you don't need to worry about children child themes yeah. or um, or even changing all of your settings manually and hoping that you right. um can go back or you know <laughs> right. don't you don't like you know you messed up something um you know somebody who curated a variation of their theme can um you know, store these on their uh, theme and allow their end user to kind of change it up, which is fantastic. I, th I think I've been seeing a lot of the uh, examples used for 2022. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks great. I think this is a fantastic way to bring variation to um, what used to be kind of a pretty hard thing to accomplish inside of um, previous WordPress themes. Right. Um, you know, this would have required a lot of custom CSS um, or a lot of settings that you maybe use the customizer maybe use a theme settings panel that the developer made um and it just kind of became a nightmare uh so this is definitely solving a huge problem especially for maybe those for end users right so i, I yeah i have mixed feelings about this i mean i think it's good overall don't get me wrong um, sure. you can you know you've got your main theme json file and the root of your your theme but you can also have a, a styles folder and put some json files in there and then the name of that file will become the name of the, the variation and then you can essentially what you're doing is you, you you're kind of creating a subset or overrides of your main theme json file so you can change the color palette completely if you you know add a color palette to this other um theme json file right um the the place where it really messes up what what i've already got going on with like our scaffolding for instance is that that would just completely uh, just completely destroy sure. the, the yeah. sort of system that I have kind of in place for yeah. getting colors and, and, and variables and stuff like that. But I think what we're doing, it doesn't make so much sense. Our clients are not looking yeah. for a way to, um, you know, at, our, at an yeah. agency level, most of our clients are not looking for a way to change the way that their website looks at that level. Um, but I think as like a product for like a, con a consumer uh, not maybe not a client. Yeah, this is a great win. So um, hopefully I we do can just see disable a... a lot of these things so they don't break <laughs> right. some of our custom work. <laughs> Where I do see this being potentially useful is the potential for um, you know a, a front front end theme switching. The classic example being light and dark modes. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so I feel like I might end up doing some experimentation there with when you know does it make sense to create a theme variation for a dark mode and how might you swap between those on the front end instead of it being a choice that you just choose on the back end and it just becomes permanent so i don't know we'll see i haven't yeah. i haven't touched it yet yeah <laughs> um i think something that actually isn't on the list but my you know having thinking about that video that i watched and and actually looking at the field notes again uh they are improving exporting of your the your theme even further that's been existed for a, a moment now um but i remember you know just seeing some tweets and even even in that video it proposed that there would be a no code solution for theme development mm -hmm. um which i actually kind of want to harken back to my days of working on nintendo which was kind of a near no code experience um for building that template. I very much worked inside the back end of WordPress to build those templates and hit export and modified where I needed to in the code editor. And I only needed at the time to add probably less than a hundred lines of custom CSS um, to kind of achieve what I was looking for. Um, and maybe added a few functions inside the functions, you know, PHP, yeah, to, yeah. you right. know, patch a few things here and there. Um, and I, that's a huge win. I, 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 I do fear the repository maybe getting uh, uh, hammered with uh, people just taking Low 2022, yeah. adjusting a little bit, hitting export and trying to import it. I'm hoping that there are ways to like get around that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to see low effort um, themes making it into the repository. I don't think they will. They, they probably won't get passed very easily. Um, but I, I, that is, you know, I think this opens the doors for a lot of people to build a lot of cool things um right out of the box with wordpress without ever maybe opening an id so um and actually harkens back to maybe a couple episodes ago i can't remember what episode it was where i was like why do we even need themes at some point like you know <laughs> like the theme could theoretically be in the database you know you know what i mean like these yeah. are settings that you know I, I could see by default wordpress being installed and not needing to activate a theme it is just a 
you know, a, a white page that has the title of the page and like a handful of blocks that are pre um, put there. And then you could theoretically just go into the site editor and move some things around and it starts saving those settings and um, yeah. those templates. Um, I, I don't think that is unreasonable to be honest. I don't think it's the perfect solution all the time, but um, it, it is maybe a great starting point in a lot of ways to um, how your website gets laid out. If there aren't any, already i would i would expect there to be a, at least a, a couple of themes in the repository that purport to be that sort of like blank slate but not like not like completely blank in terms of like yeah. it's times new roman it, you know what i mean <laughs> like but like blank enough where it's like white screen i think and... you might be giving too much credit to <laughs> I, be, I bet there is a times new roman while there are rules that they can no longer have frameworks and whatnot in mm -hmm. the um because actually i had a framework in the repository well before that rule was ever created mm -hmm. um but you yeah like it, they one thing actually I did notice when I was releasing my theme was how many people, the, the child theme uh, market, the child, yeah, the people making child themes for plugin uh, for themes was quite active. I was actually very impressed. And I see that kind of happening with uh, um, full site editing site uh, themes also right now. But um, I would bet that there is a completely blank page yeah. with, you know, logo on the top left, menu on the top right, base uh fonts just, just everywhere yeah i'll even say this tendo is not far from that like it is sure. you know mm -hmm. i have a lot of like opinions on fonts and stuff like that because i wanted it to look a very certain you know a very studio art gallery aesthetic mm -hmm. um but it's not a particularly opinionated past that so mm. um yeah uh one last thing in yeah. in, in 6.0 that i just wanted to mention because i i haven't i haven't tried it yet and i'm excited to but the web fonts handling directly in theme json we've already got something set up in our scaffolding for you know pretty easy to just add google fonts um in there but uh here we go now now we can have the font face directives automatically created with some theme json settings but you know on the other hand you i believe uh, if i'm not mistaken you do need to have like a local um font files in the theme mm -hmm. but um you know that's not necessarily a, a bad thing there's been discussion uh in the zeitgeist lately about um whether google fonts is a good thing or not in terms of you know um it, it used to be that like saying you know using a, a shared cdn and that sort of stuff for you know all these javascript libraries or fonts right um, yeah. it was a good thing because people would quote unquote already have it cached sure. but browsers have changed since since that happened and you know the cache is um unique unique for each site now even if you even if it's from the same you know cdn so so yeah. we don't really get that benefit anymore so you maybe you might as well have it uh the, the fonts and that sort of thing serve locally from your site I, I don't know. yeah no that's an interesting topic i have not looked into any of that at all but i can see how that argument can easily be made with just you know how caching definitely has changed um and i think even just something we've experienced a lot recently was um around you know how you host videos and how hosting mm -hmm. has changed so much recently and how it's not as big of a deal to host a quasi larger file on your site because the way your browser is interpreting it is much different than it was in the mm -hmm. past so yeah yeah very interesting i think i mean that's basically our our quick <laughs> not so quick because yeah, yeah. it's been about a half an hour now we've just been talking about <laughs> wordpress 6 so i guess you know in that regard there's a bunch of stuff there's a bunch of new stuff <laughs> yeah actually I, mean, I guess just to kind of cap it at the end here i kind of wanted to talk about why it felt maybe a little underwhelming for us <laughs> i think when we talked about proposing this episode and like they're like oh what should we talk about like you know there's a new release coming out all right like oh yeah What's new? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like everything that they're talking about is things that we use. We use the Gutenberg plugin 
regularly like you know every day every single day i have you know themes that i'm building actively with the gutenberg plugin salt and i get that it says that it's not supposed to be in production but Mm -hmm. uh i'll be the first one to say it live on a podcast maybe i i I definitely use it in production Mm -hmm. um you know it just happens there are there are things in core that are broken for gutenberg that are fixed in in the block editor that are fixed in gutenberg and there are features that the gutenberg plugin um in don't get me wrong i know that they're often experimental and they can like change at any moment at, at some of them um but some of those features uh you know that risk often has in the past and continues to outweigh um the uh not using it in production yeah um you know i would benefit it, outweighs the risk it would be Hopefully. very difficult to build a handful of these websites that we've built in recent history right. um, without some of these options. It, so it's so it's especially like speaking of those experimental features. Oh my god, it's so hard for me to <laughs> to 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 keep those out of my code. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it's so I, hard. Yep. I I I am I am guilty of using at least one experimental feature on a production <laughs> site in in you know a Gutenberg. Uh, thing and and i got <laughs> I, I got around it by importing both the experimental version of of the uh the variable name and then like the yeah. what it would be called if it wasn't experimental anymore and then yep. checking to see which one was was not no yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know that could potentially uh if you know if the api of that changes because that's the whole point of experiment these experimental features um api changes then that site's gonna break so i have to i have to kind of pay attention to those things and and keep it to a minimum or better yet not use them but it's there as a developer you always want those those conveniences especially when it comes to like uh i'm often using them for like um uh, fields just 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 standard kind of input field kind of stuff there's a bunch of there's a bunch of components in you know that are available in gutenberg in the wordpress components um module right that are set to experimental when they're just kind of i can't i can't recall the one that i used that i needed but um you know it's right there in the editor i want to be able to use the same things that the editor is using for certain things and of course i can't recall off the top of my head which one it is but it was just a type of input field and i needed to use it and I did. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Uh, so shame on shame on me. Yeah. So with all that said, uh, the you know WordPress moving on big big six yada yada. Um, you sent you sent me a, an interesting article this morning. Yeah, le- legit. Just like hours before we started recording this, uh, there was a um, article by. How do you pronounce it? Yost Day Volk. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, and he kind of the title of it is WordPress market share is shrinking. Um, and yeah, I thought this was a very interesting article. I think that is a huge number that everybody, you know, we're constantly, oh, it's 40%, it's 42%, 43%. It's something you hear all the time. Like we want to own 50% of the internet. It's, it's mm-hmm. mentioned at every state of the word. It's something I've heard in sales pitches when pitching WordPress to a, a client. It's like, well, it's 40 some percent of the internet. It can't be bad, you know? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently uh, for the first time in a long time, we've lost some market share between uh, in February. Um, and you just going through this article, uh, Yoast has a handful of uh, speculation on why he believes that might be, uh, why, why that might be, how that might be able to be fixed. And uh, I thought it was a very interesting article. Um, yeah. What were your initial thoughts when well, you? Let me this? let me put this yeah. in context a little bit. So so you know we've got the, the, this market share number at forty three point three percent in February and in March. And then it shows April's 43.0 and the same for May. And then on the 11th, so that's today as we're recording this, 42.9. So so we're talking about point, you know, a 0.4%, not even a single percentage uh, drop. But, you know, as they, as they talk about in the article, this is like the first time ever that there has been any drop whatsoever, uh, apparently, in this, you know, and how they are calculating the market share of of wordpress 
I don't know. What do we think about this? I mean, is this a, is what? this a, you know doom and gloom, or do we got to jump <laughs> ship right away and and start oh, doing Drupal sites? Been, What's going on? I've been trying to jump ship for a decade at this point. <laughs> so no, no, I don't know. Um, I I think it, it uh, Yoast rationalizes a lot of this in a lot in a lot of great ways. So I guess the first thing to think about is how do they come up with these numbers? And you know they're picking the top ten million websites, so the most popular website mm -hmm. so 10 million of the most popular websites they are then looking at what cmss they are using and um getting a number out of that um and he even corroborated this with another way of uh looking into how these numbers uh can be found and found the same uh subtraction uh, and i think one of the interesting takes from this article is that maybe the top uh, 10 million are using WordPress less because other websites are uh, bubbling up faster because they're more popular. There are more popular websites usually not using WordPress mm -hmm. um, kind of entering that. And, uh, you know, what Yoast uh, put out here, a lot of which of this article uh, centers around is around uh, site speed and SEO. Um, he believes uh, competitors of ours, Wix and Squarespace, have been um, focusing on uh, performance and SEO a lot. Uh, and that has maybe increased their market share, um, at least in the top uh, 10 million right. most popular websites, um, which I think is plausible. It's, it's, a, it's a weird sort of, you know, kind of trick almost, right? Like, I guess if you read between the lines a little bit, um, the, the, the creator of uh, <laughs> the most popular WordPress SEO plugin sure. is saying that the main uh the, the the main competitors to wordpress being squarespace and wix and, and those are out competing wordpress in site speed and seo and site speed let's be honest has become part of seo yeah uh so he's 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 saying that you know uh wordpress is is falling behind in the seo game and he doesn't say it outright here, but I guess what that kind of means is that if if we're only counting the most popular, you know, percentage of websites, ten whatever you said, ten million or something like that, and you know, other other sites are getting better SEO, which means that they're becoming more popular because that's just the game. It's is is it is it a true? You know, is it a true market share calculation, even if we're looking? I mean, I guess, again, you said that they corroborated it. Well, they corroborated, but they, they still ran the number, numbers the same way. They just um, looked at how they were determining what CMS they were using right. differently. So right. they were still using the same da data set. They were just uh, determining um, how the CMSs, what, which CMSs right, they right, were right. Um, differently. So, so it's, the, um, it's the weird sort of like SEO game here where if you're in the top 10 million, then you're being counted. And yeah. to be in the top 10 million, you have to have a good SEO game. Yeah. So who knows? I, I don't know if it's even possible to calculate the actual 100% true market share of anything on the internet. But, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. It's a way. It's a way to count it, and it might be filtered a little bit by the idea of SEO and popularity. Yeah, uh, but I can't really think of a better way to handle a, such a enormous test. And also, at this point, I think it would be unfair to change the like the way we're calculating that, and right, then right, you know right, try right. to compare it to previous numbers. I'll also say the other uh, you know thing that they brought up was that we're being out innovated in a lot of these other um areas and i'll say from the outside perspective i don't use squarespace specifically mm -hmm. or wix um you know but i do see i get ads for webflow and these some of these other uh uh newer cmss hitting the market um and they do look really cool they do look really cool i will say this though on the other end of that when i'm thinking about using something other than WordPress, it's hard to find something as intuitive um, as WordPress and the open source space. Right, right. Um, and I don't think it'll ever come out, especially the better uh, the block editor has become, the less likely I feel like I'll ever be to even pull from like another PHP thing. I know it's not open source per se, but like craft CMS um, it was intriguing me for a while there. But um, it, it when you start building websites in a block format it's hard to think about building them in another way yeah often. sure right, right um but i it 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 
I don't feel like WordPress has done a great job and they haven't had to do this so much in the past of marketing the Mm. fact that WordPress is maturing and changing and updating Uh, in the past. Like, you know, well, I also do believe that the personal web has been shrinking for a decade now. Uh, You know, there's less personal blogs probably on the Internet now than there were. You know, sad. over the years, uh, yeah, it's very <laughs> sad. But those websites were powered by WordPress for sure. Like, um, and it, and the offerings that WordPress has outside of that sphere, so you know, business type solutions like WooCommerce and all those have been, you know, unfortunately replaced by things like Shopify or even Etsy or these other solutions that require a lot less effort. Um, I actually want to take this conversation. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, in another direction, because, you know, we're looking at this giant number of, you know, top 10 million, uh, what's our market share. Several years ago, when I was, I took a break from WordPress for a couple of years, um, I had an opportunity to work on a different software project. Um, and I had been in the WordPress space probably for over a decade at that point, at least from a hobby plus professional over a decade and probably professional mm-hmm. at that time, eight, nine years. Um, so I was burnt out, to say the least. So I was happy for the change of pace. And then I was looking to re-enter the WordPress space or re-enter a different um, space. Um, and I did a quick Google Trends search for the word WordPress. And I was just very curious, where has it gone? Um, and I and I even tweeted about this way back when. That tweet's definitely been deleted by now, um, just because I've deleted all my tweets. But um and the graph is very telling. Um, you know, when I had entered the space, at least at a professional level, um, it was at the highest it ever was. So that around 2010 to 2014 was the highest it had ever been in, in trending. And it, I actually, you know, as someone who's part of that community, felt that. Uh, I was going to WordCamps. I was making WordPress products. I was selling WordPress to people. It was It was a very interesting time to be part of WordPress because it felt like everybody was talking about it. The web was getting filled with more information about this, about WordPress. Um, But I don't feel that so much anymore. When I'm entering the tech space um, outside of my small little Twitter space, Hmm. um, WordPress is very much an afterthought for a lot of people. It's, it might, it's actually almost become the thing that you tack onto an app. Uh, again, uh, we went from like WordPress being that thing that you tacked onto a larger application, you know, maybe a, an old ASPX website True, to get um, a blog in it to get a blog, and then it became a CMS, and now it's almost kind of back to that. Like now we have like some kind of Ruby on Rails or JS app that you then need a blog, so you tack it on. Um, I've seen a lot of people using Gatsby in that way. You know, they have a React app and they're already familiar with React, and then they'll use like headless WordPress and mm-hmm. um, you know tap into WordPress that way. Um, but yeah, when you look at the current trend um it is as low as it was back in like 2007 um Hmm, interesting yeah so i just think the public interest in wordpress has diminished and uh when i'm even talking about people who are trying to build a blog or a business on the online and i try to explain the differences between word using wordpress and these other um platforms i often will come up with like open source uh, democratization versus, you know, your platform is owned by another mm. company. It's there. It's hosted over there. And frankly, people don't care. Uh, right. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not excited about that. It makes me, I'm not happy about that, but um, it, it's when they look at the overhead that it would cost them to run a WordPress website, you know, they, they have to install WordPress, which means they need their own hosting. They have their own domain that they purchased probably through somewhere else and they have to handle their own DNS. They then need to install WooCommerce and install add-ons onto WooCommerce. They need to then make sure they get a, a theme that works nicely with WooCommerce plus WordPress. They then need to figure out this new thing called the block editor and the plugins that are um, not quite up to snuff react with the block editor and dealing with both of those and not being a wordpress expert um and not even knowing that you need to know all of those things no not even knowing (laughs) like yeah like it's overwhelming it's beyond overwhelming it's overwhelming as a developer who's trying to stay up on top of this i couldn't imagine as someone who just wants to start a a side business trying to get an e-commerce site off the their uh, plate and then they look at something like shopify and within an hour they can start like having their products online to sell i mean Um, it's a hard sell right and then and then there's the other you know there's i mean there's still wordpress.com right i mean that's 
essentially what is attempting to compete with the Squarespace. Not, I mean, yes, WordPress as a project on the whole, of course, is. But the actual offering of, you know, you pay us money and you have a site and it just works yeah. and, and you use it and it happens to be powered by WordPress. That's that's WordPress.com. Um, but I guess I, I have I have a uh, uh, what do you call it? A um, anecdote. <laughs> um, but 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 this is highly skewed. Right. So for, first of all, right, if 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 uh, the you know businesses out there you want to start you want to start a business you you need a website you you want to do it right you have a budget to do something custom stand out that's when you call a wordpress agency <laughs> and we we do all we we make all those decisions we know what you sure. need and set it all sure. up right because on because the the other on the you know the other side of that is that okay if if you instead decide on a squarespace or a wix you still gotta you still gotta build it yourself and if you if you're not a designer you don't you don't really know um i you know the amount of ugly squarespace sites i've seen is plentiful um and it's no fault of the end it's no fault of the end user often you know they get these themes they're trying to touch it up but at the end of the day they are not experts they don't understand content hierarchy they don't understand um design um and these tools often do leave you high and dry on um and not only that i think even the marketing's misleading like you know sure. build it beautiful and all that uh-huh. kind of right. bsery is often you know a, a nice sales tagline but it, it doesn't it's a good it might even be a good starting place but as soon as you want to customize you do kind of get um but WordPress isn't solving that outside of that at a consumer level either right so. and even like i mean wordpress.com could be trying to compete in the marketing space with the squarespace and the wix and stuff but that doesn't seem to be i at least i haven't seen any or you know every every podcast you listen to is gonna and and youtube video is gonna have a squarespace ad in it nowadays but and there's also like a competing you know going back to wordpress.com i believe that you know i there was a great twitter thread year like probably a good long time ago like a year ago at this point but there's no good upgrade path from .com to .org no um you know even just like the default xml export is not good enough to you know in my opinion like that is not a real solution for users trying to they they hit the breaking point of .com they need to do something that .com isn't capable of which happens quite fast. I've had plenty of people who had .com websites for a few years, and all of a sudden they would need like, hey, I finally got my first sponsor, and they wanted to add something to the widget area, and they're like, they were blocked out of adding sponsored sure. content. Um, and yeah, that was a frustrating conversation to have with them to basically explain to them that they are, it's time for you to move off of .com. Right, yeah. uh, and that means you lose everything. You know, you don't, this, the theme that you got off of here isn't one-to-one with the, the .org and you need to have your own hosting. And um, I think ultimately they actually abandoned their sponsorship because oh, they were geez, like, that's wow. way too much work for them. They were like a nonprofit <laughs> yeah. that was just had like a little podcast and they were like, well, we'll just not have a sponsor, I guess. Like, <laughs> oh, no. uh, well, getting back to my anecdote here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the the uh, the editor of this podcast, because I don't do it myself anymore, um, wanted to set up a wanted to set up a website to market his services, right? Um, and so, of course, confiding in me, his developer friend. Of course, I'm going to say like, well, I do WordPress, so I'm going to recommend WordPress. <laughs> and uh, you know, being familiar with WordPress, uh, it was already it was already looking into that. Um, and the first thing he looked into was WordPress.com. And you know, you get all the way through the you know the sign up process to discover at the end of it that it's going to cost 300 bucks a year. Sure. You know, kind of as a starting point, really. And like that's that's no big deal for hosting a site, you know, for like a established business. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of ish market rate for like managed WordPress hosting these days. um, Roughly 10 ish dollars a month for hosting plus domain, maybe a few add ons. Yep. But uh, not something that, uh, you know, a freelancer is, is wanting to, uh, (laughs) you know, shell out for immediately anyways. So, um, so I help him set up. I help him set up uh, a site uh, with some uh, cheaper managed hosting for you know regular good old open source WordPress. Um, and you can you can go check it out. I'm I'm not afraid to 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 drop a 
um what do you call it what's the word i'm looking for a friend a friend's website what? no no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dropping a link to something um, sure um uh, fragnumopus.com we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll stick it in the uh, description it, it's nothing exciting to look at yet um because we we decided to use a f- full site editing theme for it right so just the just the standard 2022 theme and uh i told him that he could build a site with no code no code with wordpress now um and so we we stuck to it i did not touch the code (laughs) so yes it looks a little bit like it looks a lot of it like you know 2022 um but you know he was able to we were able to customize it you know in certain ways that he he needed and kind of have a plan for how he might you know expand the content later and, and that sort of stuff but definitely definitely hit some pitfalls too unfortunately and one of those pitfalls is definitely the the idea of the template hierarchy that uh, you know us devs are very familiar with when we're doing custom theme development um the the full site editor also has the same notion of a template hierarchy for for your block uh block templates but they're just plain old html files and or just in the database right um so um i guess to keep a long story short um when i kind of set him loose on it and showed him where the site editor was versus just you know pages and posts uh you know sorry nick i don't want to throw you under the bus here but uh, (laughs) (laughs) he's going to be editing this and deciding whether he cuts it out (laughs) Um, uh you know, not really knowing how that sort of stuff worked, he 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 made all of his customizations directly in the index template, mm. right? So kind of removed the query loop and essentially sure. created a, made like a, a front page. page or, yeah, you know, with not knowing that you can make template. a home. And how how or... would you know? No, really? huh? yeah, how would you? Yeah. Um. So that's that's kind of a. I I believe this is something we've talked about just off. Uh, off mic before Mm -hmm. um was yeah like you kind of need to have like some uh, institutional knowledge of how wordpress works at a higher template hierarchy to understand how the site editor works most of the time um and that and it's not very it's not described to you very well currently in the 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 site editor um and i don't know if they have any plans on doing anything like that but it is gosh you would need a whole like crash course when when you like open the site editor like here's how here's how wordpress is architectured (laughs) this is you know these are these are post types and these are you know you have this special template called an archive and the index file is just, you know, is like a sure. default file and you need to make sure it outputs something <laughs> and like, you know, all the, well, sure. But I mean, I think that could be easily accomplished. Not easily. That's a, that's a way <laughs> Loaded. too Loaded. reductive of a word. Um, but I believe it could easily, I believe it could be done um, on install. And I believe the currently the, when you install a new theme right now, it is a terrible experience. Um, it your content kind of gets jumbled everywhere you lose lots of work seemingly from the end user um but imagine you installed the newest version of 2022 2023 and it's a full site editing theme and you go it takes you directly to the editor and the first thing it shows like hey would you like your homepage to show the uh content right. or the posts <laughs> and there's just two giant uh, even with an examples of what it looked like, you click it and like, hey, uh, th- this is what your pages would look like. Would you like this? This is what this would look like. And it just kind of walks you through each template that it gives you. Right. And this can be something that gets added to the theme file. Like, you know, like you could basically say, you know, using these block pattern templates um, to kind of help guide users through a setup um, to get you to the, you know, Step one, uh, but often right now, and it's even a problem in the directory, you you go and look at a preview of these themes and you are not getting an accurate experience of what this theme is capable of mm-hmm. at all. Uh, it's getting better. I, I understand that, but we're, we're far from a user experience that, um, you know, I feel comfortable giving someone who doesn't have institutionalized Word, uh, WordPress knowledge. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to end on a like a, a negative note here, but um, I mean, it's 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 not necessarily negative. It's it, no. it, it is providing the power of the entire template hierarchy in the back end of WordPress. 
which is pre- which is pretty cool like a ui yeah. for for setting up the template you just like we just need to figure out how to teach people how that works if they're not you know classic <laughs> we're classic, yeah, classic theme developers now <laughs> uh, that's a dangerous word to say around uh, wordpress yeah classic um like coke classic but we never went back <laughs> uh but we're we're doing our best to to keep yeah. up keep up with all this stuff and we are still working away at our own uh our own website as a full yep. site editing uh theme uh i'm gonna keep i'm just gonna keep every episode we put out every i'm just episode. gonna say that we're still working on our website <laughs> i feel like we were very critical this episode but i will say this i'm looking forward to next episode next dev chat Mm-hmm. whenever that might be a month or so from now yep and um yeah where yeah where we ended up 6.0 will be released some of these things will be in production some new things will be in production you know i think we're inching towards um uh, you know we're always inching towards better with this yeah. platform so that, that, that's that's a great that's a great note that's a great note to end on thank you <laughs> no problem uh so yeah stick around for the uh the outro to hear about uh who we are interviewing next and uh we'll catch you next time that's all for this episode Join us next time for an interview with Aruba Ahmed of Aruba Makes for a discussion about all the various open source efforts she's been involved in, including some handy plugins and the upcoming WordCamp US. Check the episode description for links to things we mentioned in the show. And don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom built, or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. See you next time.